It's NPR's All Things Considered. I'm Robert Siegel. And I'm Linda Wertheimer. In recent years, new medications have helped many people with HIV live dramatically healthier lives. With improved prospects for longevity, more couples with HIV want to start families. But most American adoption agencies won't accept them as clients, so they face difficult questions. Should they try to conceive a child and risk passing the virus on to the baby? Is it fair to bring a child into a family where one or both parents has a life-threatening illness? Today we meet two couples who take two very different approaches to these questions, but both are relying on science to evade the AIDS virus. A small but growing number of scientists and doctors are helping such couples get pregnant using experimental medical techniques that promise to reduce substantially the risk of passing on HIV. Stephen Smith of American Radio Works reports. Getting HIV often means giving things up, sometimes the very things one had lived for, like jobs and families. That's what nearly happened to Mike and Mary. Mike is a tall, lanky, outdoorsy fellow with a liking for flannel shirts. He got HIV almost 20 years ago from a transfusion of contaminated blood products. After Mike battled a succession of nearly fatal illnesses, his once powerful ambition to have children vanished, but not his wife's. I started wanting a child so badly that there was physical pain inside, whether it would be someone else's um, baby shower or someone at at work would get pregnant, um, or even being around children was really, really difficult for me. And everything in my being was just crying out for a child. I refused to put her at any risk of infection. That, to me, that wasn't even an option. So we were not going to have children because there was no way around putting her at risk. Scientists say the odds of a woman contracting HIV from a single act of unprotected sex are about 25%. The baby might also be born HIV positive, but that's far less likely. Though Mary never did take that gamble, she was prepared to. The pain inside of of seeing Mike sick and knowing that he might, you know, um, be leaving, what I was feeling was losing Mike and everything associated with Mike would be better if I had a child. Then, in the mid-1990s, Mike started taking a new experimental combination of medications commonly known as the drug cocktail. And like many others on the new therapy, Mike got dramatically healthier. When these treatments came on and Mike was doing so well, it's like, you know, for 10 years we've been waiting for an illness. And we thought once that hit, it would be over and Mike would be gone. And it's like, damn it, let's start living. So they did. So now it's more rounded yeah. the way it should be? Okay. By mid-March, Mary is 20 weeks pregnant. This slender woman with wire rim glasses and straw-colored hair is now halfway through her first pregnancy. She and Mike are visiting their local midwife for a routine prenatal checkup. Baby's head's right there. Feel it? Baby's head down. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's the only hard thing that sort of blots like that. And his feet usually, well, the movement's here and here. So his feet, I'm thinking... Mary and Mike live in a small town in the Allegheny foothills of upstate New York and have asked to keep their last name private. Like many couples with HIV, they found out that adoption agencies generally steer clear of applicants with HIV. Mike and Mary saw few choices except having their own baby. 
One day, Mary heard on the radio about a new fertility program in Boston designed specifically to help couples like them have a baby and yet evade the HIV virus. This stays just as warm probably on top Last year, a Harvard researcher named Ann Kiesling and a group of her colleagues created an independent clinic to offer experimental fertility treatments unavailable anywhere else in the country. Kiesling is an expert in both the science of human reproduction and the transmission of diseases, such as HIV. She and other HIV experts have no way to count how many American couples with the disease want to conceive children. But based on their contacts with HIV-positive couples, they estimate the number is in the thousands. And the number of calls from couples who want reproductive help is growing. We still need one more follicular fluid if you find one. In a small outpatient surgical clinic in a Boston suburb, Kiesling and her medical team prepare to retrieve the eggs from the ovaries of a 33-year-old woman lying sedated on the operating table. Okay, egg number, egg number two. Once collected, the woman's eggs are mixed in a laboratory dish with sperm from her husband. It's a common infertility treatment known as in vitro fertilization, or IVF. This is how Mike and Mary conceived their child. Kiesling built a special embryology lab in a camper van, which idles in the parking lot outside the surgical clinic. Using the van ensures that HIV-infected specimens are completely quarantined from other patients. At the lab bench, Kiesling gingerly instills two eggs each into liquid-filled dishes. The pair of eggs float like air bubbles suspended in warm oil. So this is the dish that has the eggs in it from the right ovary. Kiesling uses a common lab technique with the unlikely name sperm washing to essentially cleanse HIV-infected cells from the man's semen. The specimen is then tested for HIV, and only negative samples are used for fertilization. And we're going to add 2 million, let me calculate it here, 2 million sperm to each dish. The theory that HIV skips the sperm cells and infects other cells that can be safely cleared away. One of the reasons that we've been so interested in being able to offer in vitro fertilization for this problem is that if the fertilization takes place in a culture dish, then the mother's not exposed to sperm at all. The mother's only potential contact with HIV is through the fertilized egg. Kiesling and other researchers predict that the risk of transmitting HIV from the man to the woman this way is lower than the danger of the couple having ordinary safe sex with a condom. But the IVF program is still an experiment, so Mike and Mary thought carefully about the dangers. And I would say to Mike, it's as risky as when I go to bed with you at night and we have sex with a condom. Right, because it's you not know, It could break. Yeah. So for me to have in vitro, right. I didn't feel the risk was really anything more than I've been living with for the last, you know, since 1984. Let me just take a listen here. At her 20-week checkup, Mary tested negative for HIV. A good sign, no guarantee. The virus can lurk in the blood for months before showing up on a test. But the baby's heartbeat is strong, and mother and child seem healthy. You feel lots of movement every day, right? Mostly at night. Okay, we get a little more reflection there. Yep. This is the same fetal heartbeat two and one half months later. Okay, grab another breath. That's a good push, Mary. Right? What you doing? May 28th, early in the morning, and Mary is at the hospital in heavy labor. She's taken five HIV tests during her pregnancy. The results were always negative. 
Her baby will get tested moments after birth. To Mary's discomfort, that birth is still hours away. Mary, try to sustain it. Even though there may be thousands of American couples with HIV who want to have children, medical associations and the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention discourage doctors from helping them get pregnant. The CDC is reviewing scientific data on sperm washing, but researcher Ann Dewar says the agency for now warns against the procedure. The current CDC recommendation is the recommendation that was made in 1990, which is that semen from HIV-infected men should not be used, period. Doctors who deal with HIV are divided over helping accommodate these couples. Some who work with HIV-infected babies say it's unfair to the child to risk infecting it with such a dread disease. Meanwhile, some doctors and clinics treating HIV-positive adults point out that the risks are quite low when compared, for example, to possible birth defects, and that people with HIV have a right to bear children. At Columbia University in New York, infertility specialist Mark Sauer is conducting his own experimental IVF program for couples with HIV. His goal is pragmatic, to lower the risks for couples who might well hazard a pregnancy even without the help of doctors. When you ask them, have you ever thought about just having intercourse because of your frustration and not being able to gain access to fertility care, every single one of them says we've certainly thought about it. In some cases, they actually had, had even had intercourse without condoms, unprotected intercourse, because they feel desperate to have a child, and, they, and it's such a strong drive, reproduction. You're going to have that happen. While Mike and Mary had to guard against passing on Mike's HIV infection, other couples with the same strong drive for children face many more risks. Infertility treatments may reduce the threat when just the man is HIV positive, but they cannot lessen the risk to the baby if the mother is infected. For that, antiviral drugs seem to offer some protection. The risk of transmission from mother to baby is believed to be 25% without medication. It drops to 7 or 8% when the mother is on AIDS suppression drugs. And it can drop to around 2% if the mother gives birth by cesarean section. But for some, those statistics don't resolve the moral questions raised when both parents are infected with a deadly virus. Did you guys wash your hands? In central Florida, Tim and Tracy Dana-Miller are openly struggling with the medical and ethical uncertainties of having children in spite of HIV. Tim is a wiry, laconic fellow. He threads his graying hair back into a ponytail. Tracy is cheerful and chubby and talks and talks. You got hit with the ball at school? Tim is a carpenter and with Tracy, the father of a one-year-old boy. Tim was diagnosed with HIV in 1984. He got the disease by sharing needles with other drug users. And then he spent the next decade fighting his illness like a swimmer struggling against a riptide. Dying seemed inevitable until new HIV treatments were deployed. If you'd approached me five years ago on the subject of people with HIV having children, I'd have told you that it shouldn't happen. Medicine is so improved now that... I've gone from being close to death, you know, and very sick to undetectable levels of virus in my system. You know, I'm, I'm able to work and, and function normally, and that's something I couldn't do five years ago. 
Put the bike up or put your helmet on. Tim is Tracy's third husband. She has four children of her own from two previous marriages, and she too has HIV. The couple married in 1997, soon after they conceived little Timothy. While the toddler fussed on his mother's lap, Tim Sr. explained why they wanted another child in their already crowded house, a child they made together. You know, I'm 40 years old and I don't have a son. I had no one to carry on my name. Um, and actually, I thought we were going to have a girl. Uh, we got Timothy instead. and He's my firstborn son. He carries my name. And actually, carries my whole name. It's Timothy Harold Dana Miller II. So. Carries the attitude, too. Yeah, he carries the attitude, too. What Timothy Harold Dana Miller II does not carry is HIV. Tracy and Tim conceived their son Timothy the conventional way through unprotected sex. But they also consulted closely with their doctors and with HIV experts at the National Institutes of Health. They were anxious to do what they could to reduce the risk of infecting the baby. Tim Sr. took potent anti-AIDS drugs to lower his viral count at the time of conception. Tracy was also on anti-AIDS drugs. How was it that, um, that you contracted the virus? From um, my oldest son's father. He, um, we actually met in 83, and then um, we got married. And then um, he actually died of AIDS in 1987. He was diagnosed in 85. I know, you know, that he was the one that had infected me. Tracy tested positive for the virus in 1985, but she's never been deathly ill like so many others with the disease. She says in retrospect she was so terrified of the virus in her blood that for years she simply denied the truth to herself. It was definitely a death sentence then. You know, you were given your diagnosis and out in the world you went and you waited like a time bomb for the bomb to explode. With three of her children, Tracy simply gambled that she wouldn't pass along the virus. With unprotected sex and no anti-AIDS drugs, the risk of infecting the baby was one in four. The younger boys turned out fine, but her daughter Leslie, who seemed so wonderfully healthy as a child, later tested positive for HIV. Snacks on the table. Oh, sure, I forgot my homework. You forgot your homework. Leslie is now an energetic nine-year-old with freckles and blonde hair. Like her mom and stepdad, Leslie takes antiviral drugs twice each day. In her case, the medicine is chased down by something sweet, like a popsicle. Is this the best part of your day? <laughs> Believe me, you wouldn't want to take that kind. Because that's liquid. Tastes nasty. Liquid. Like a really strong, strong peppermint. Really strong. Mommy. Being the only girl, Leslie gets her own room, where she retreats when her brothers are pestering her. That's where she hangs pictures of the camp she goes to for kids with chronic illnesses, or of her visits to a special AIDS research program in Washington. And as for school, Leslie says her HIV was no big deal to the other kids in fourth grade. They said, cool, you're lucky, because I've been telling them I get to go to camp and stuff because of it. And they said, wow, you're a lucky girl, and they, they just want to be friends with me. Do you think you're lucky to have it? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I get to go to camp, um, lots of different camps, actually, and I get to go to a really fun doctor. Um, I get to go to Washington. And you haven't really, have you been very sick with this? No, because my test results are zero. They can't even see it in my body anymore. Tracy encourages Leslie to stay so positive about HIV. A healthy attitude, she believes, is powerful medicine. 
And like many others who have survived so long with HIV, Tim and Tracy have outlived enough grim predictions from medical experts that they increasingly put faith in their own judgment and in God to sort things out. As Tim says, everything happens for a reason, even if a child of theirs is born with HIV. Of course, there, you know, there was always that little worry, I think, in the back of our minds. You know, well, what if? And I think we finally came to the conclusion, if the baby has HIV, well, gee, who else better to take care of that child than us? If Tracy and Tim seem alarmingly nonchalant about their decision to get pregnant, it's important to know how carefully they planned and researched. When they consulted the experts at NIH, they heard blunt talk about the hardships facing children who lose both parents. They also learned about all of the available precautions to prevent HIV transmission. Tracy took the anti-AIDS drug AZT at the time of delivery, and the baby got AZT for the first six weeks of life. Tim says that, in a way, having children is a chance for them to cheat their disease. I don't think that because we have HIV, uh, we should not be allowed to have children, especially if uh, we can have a normal child. And, and it is very, very possible, and it happens all the time nowadays. Tim and Tracy hope it will happen normally again, because Tracy is pregnant again. This was an unplanned pregnancy, but to Tim and Tracy, not an unwelcome one. Once again, they'll follow the latest medical advice on ways to avoid infecting the baby. But AIDS researcher Lauren Wood of the NIH cautions that a child who is born with the virus in spite of the safeguards may be sicker than the mom because drugs may not work as well for the baby. We clearly know that the virus, because it is so copious in terms of reproducing itself, it is able to mutate rapidly. The concern is, is that if somehow the virus manages to be transmitted to the child despite this potent cocktail regimen, that maybe the child would be born with a virus that was somehow resistant to the drugs that the mother was on. Another issue, Wood says, is the growing evidence that these new antiviral drugs, which looked so promising at first, may not last as long as was hoped. While drugs do work for a period of time, that's just it. They work for a period of time, and the duration of that time varies from individual to individual. And it's that level of not being able to predict who's going to do well for how long that has health care providers having real concerns with people electively trying to get pregnant. We don't live thinking like that. We tend to live more on a short-term goal rather than long-term goal. I don't think on the lines of, I may not be around to raise them. Excuse me. I tend to think on the lines that, you know, I'm so grateful I have this moment with them because they could be gone tomorrow too for whatever reason. So why didn't you tell somebody Timothy was in here trying to get into trouble? Quit playing with yourself. We had one in the tub and one out of the tub, and I addressed Timothy <laughs> in his night clothes. His brother decided to put him in the tub fully clothed. <laughs> Tracy and Tim follow their own principles in how they live their lives and raise their children. They say they recognize the challenges facing their six kids and are prepared themselves for the difficulties ahead of maintaining order among squirrely youngsters in a small house, of the struggle to get by on Tim's unsteady income, and of the persistent shadow of illness and death. 
But this couple is on a public mission. They want others to know that people with HIV have the right to make informed choices about their own lives and their own kids. Guardian angel, guardian angel, guard me from harm, protect me and sleep without cause for alarm, keep me safe through darkness of night, and wake me gently with God's morning light. Amen. I love you and you're special. Night, mommy. Mary, try to sustain it. As the Dana Millers prepared for their sixth child down in Florida, Mike and Mary, the New York State couple, were busy with the arrival of their first baby, Mary especially. It hurts. I know it hurts. The baby's head hurts. It does. The baby's heartbeat thumped steadily on the monitor as a glowing ribbon of sunrise appeared through the hospital window. Mary and Mike agonized for years about whether or not to have this baby. They spent a frightening amount of money for the in vitro procedures, and now this child, sired in a laboratory dish, is to be the first American conceived at a fertility clinic established specifically for couples with HIV. That's all very inspiring, Mary says later, but during labor, it felt like giving birth to a cinder block. Baby boy Ryan was born at 4.27 a.m., weighing a compact six pounds, four ounces. <laughs> Tests will later show that Mary and Mike's son is HIV negative. Meanwhile, the new baby at the Dana Millers arrived on August 10th. Tracy gave birth to a daughter, Taylor Alexis, in a scheduled cesarean section. Their baby won't be tested for HIV until sometime this month, but the Dana Millers won't find out the results until their October visit to the pediatrician. The doctor's office is an hour away in Tampa, and they don't give HIV test results out over the phone. So, Tracy says mildly, they'll just have to wait to find out. Fact is, she says, if Taylor is infected, knowing it sooner won't change anything, because HIV is a disease you live with. For NPR News, this is Stephen Smith. This is All Things Considered. Support for NPR comes from NPR Stations and the Glenmorangie Distillery, Tain, Rossshire, Scotland, since 1843, www.glenmorangie.com. SAP, introducing MySAP.com, one-step business solutions in a dynamic business environment, www.mysap.com and LendingTree.com, an online loan marketplace that delivers up to four loan offers from national and regional lenders, on the web at LendingTree.com. This is NPR National Public Radio. (laughs) ¶¶ 